everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Forefathers Podcast. We thought we were going to be talking about the uh, finish to an amazing U.S. Women's Open. However, we're going to have to hit the pause button on that. Uh, wait until tomorrow or later today, I guess, when you're listening to this to find out if uh, Shibuno can hold off all challengers, if it's one of the Jatanagarn sisters or uh, one of the amateurs or somebody that we haven't heard of yet. So uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. I am your host, Brian, along with all of us today. Doug finally decided to uh, come back after a little bit of a sabbatical. Doug, how are we doing? Hey, happy birthday to Ricky. Oh. Good day. Packers in first place, Ricky's birthday. Ah, oh, I didn't even know it was Ricky's birthday. Shame on me. What are we even doing here? Oh, man. Uh, and I didn't see the score, but you're excited. So Aaron played well today. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. 31-24 over the Lions, number one seed in the NFC right now. Uh, uh, the, the quiet rumor is Mitch Sunday. Trubisky may be running that division now. I don't know. He looks hot. He looks hot, Doug. All right. Uh, no I just count. try. I, I what I think Aaron Rodgers is 36 and four touchdown to interceptions or something. So uh, he's up to 38. I, yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to really stand on. And Todd, were the Browns off this week? I don't even think I saw their score. Or or did they finally get a primetime game? Big time Monday night game tomorrow night, Baltimore Ravens. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll put the jersey on for that tomorrow night. Don't worry. We're going to come correct and uh, root on the boys tomorrow night. Now, if the Browns win, are people going to say, well, the Ravens are kind of in a slide? Or is this is this the statement game that the Browns come out and let everybody know that it's not a scheduling thing? This is for real. Uh, no, it's, it's always going to be a scheduling thing <laughs> for the rest of the season. Because yeah. if they beat if they beat Baltimore tomorrow, it'll say, well, Baltimore's lost, you know, three of the last four. If they beat Pittsburgh the last week of the season, it'll be, well, Pittsburgh didn't have anything to play for, so they were they weren't really invested, and the Browns needed the win to get to the playoffs. <laughs> so just... unless unless they win something in the playoffs, they'll win a game in the playoffs. You know, they're they're going to keep getting this scheduling week weak schedule kind of nonsense. Well, this is where they want people though. Keep underestimating them. There's no pressure on Mayfield and the boys and that they're going to kind of like sneak in, but they're going to be a good team. So I think this is how you want it to play out. Yeah. Baker needs the chip and I'm okay with that. All right. Fair enough. And then Dave, I saved you for last. Cause as coach O would say, go Tigers. How about that game yesterday, huh? About them Tigers yesterday, huh? Did you even watch any of it? I watched the entire game. Oh, fantastic. I watched the last 45 seconds. So No, uh, I watched the entire game, even the second half that you could barely see it because of the fog rolling in to Gainesville. But, I was uh, going to ask when the fog showed up because when I turned it on, I was like, oh, crap, what is going on here? No, it was about the beginning of the second half. And uh, and I think about midway third quarter, the announcers were like, well, we now can't see the field. So <laughs> we're just going to watch the television and give you our best guess. So here's my question. Since you watched the game, how did we win that? Because I've seen us get our asses kicked all through the SEC, and I thought this was just going to be another drubbing. Did we somehow get a bunch of turnovers? Did we play well? What 
was the key? I thought they, I thought they played well. Uh, the new uh, quarterback, Max Johnson, was fantastic. Uh, and I think you got uh, kind of all your freshmen and sophomores who are super talented to like buy in. And so uh, they were uh, they were fantastic. I also think that Florida was flat, uh, which also helps. And so, um, you know, like Florida's thinking about Alabama and, uh, you know, they got bit by the tiger. And exactly. that's going to help my uh, local uh, Bearcats, hopefully. Oh, that's right, because Florida will probably end up getting killed by Alabama. So if Cincinnati ever plays again, they should move up in the rankings. LSU is now only one win away from tying Ohio State. So, (laughs) All right, all right. You know, silver linings, silver linings. All right. Uh, Glad to hear everybody is doing okay. Uh, The presents are starting to gather up under the Parsons family tree, and I'm giddy. I'm excited. I know my kids are. And if people didn't get a chance to listen to our episode last week, it is not too late, boys and girls, to listen to us. Take our advice on what to get that person in that golf nut in your life. Uh, So check that out if you want to. Uh, Before we jump into the U.S. Women's Open, I read this story this week, and I don't know. I didn't come up with it. You'll know that. Uh, I don't know who to credit on this. But MJ, Michael Jordan, has a new course well, not so new anymore, but it's called the Grove 23 or whatever, XXIII, whatever his stupid moniker is, <laughs> down there in Florida. And I read this week that instead of the golf cart person, the golf cart girl, sorry, I'm trying to be politically correct, the golf cart person that sells you stuff, they're delivering food and drinks via drone. And so I ask you, gentlemen, if you're out, at Hawks Landing, if you're out at uh, Legendary Run, wherever in Cincinnati that you happen to be playing, does this sound like something you would want? Is this cool? Is this the new thing in golf course technology? My guess is the Grove doesn't get as many rounds as Legendary or Hawks, so easier to drone it out there when there's like four four groups on the course. But what do you think about that? They're speechless, I don't know. Folks. I kind of like, like seeing the golf cart, the beverage cart coming from a distance. You know, like, oh, it's coming. Like, after this shot, I'll have the chance to get something. There's that little anticipation. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe that's silly. Maybe I get over it quickly. But that was the first thought that came to mind. Oh, I kind of missed that. See? I think I like, I like the idea of being able to call it in and know that, hey, within the next – you know, maybe at the next tee or on the next hole, I know something's coming and I'm not just guessing whether or not there's going to be someone off in the distance. Having said that, how comfortable would you feel with objects just flying around the golf course as you're hitting golf balls into that, you know, that space? With like I don't a pack of Miller light on it as it's coming towards you? That's why I think this is for those ultra exclusive courses where the play is limited, right? (laughs) Because otherwise you got 12 drones flying around and God knows what's happening. I keep thinking of the benefits of this though. If I'm playing against Lun and he's just triple bogey to hole. Oh, let me call in some drinks for D Lun. Let let me get him good and sauced and mad. Start (laughs) throwing some clubs. This is the ultimate match play thing. What if there were like little robot carts that came out, like when you ordered them, instead of having them flying around, what if they're like the Amazon 
cars that are just driving around dropping stuff off like the robots. I don't know. Is the and I'm also waiting. Good? I'm waiting for the day that Brian Parsons buys a drink for somebody on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Not uh, true. Uh, yeah, I. I like the idea of it. It seems sketch. I like the problem. I'm with Doug that I like the idea of, I see the cart off in a distance, you know, it's Pavlov's dog. You start salivating a little bit. You you're thinking about it, but as Dave talked about last week, I don't want the guy on the mower watching me hit because I'm a mental, uh, weakling. And so, uh, the g- golf cart person coming is just one more person that puts pressure on me watching my game before uh, I get those libations. And I can never time it right, right? Sometimes with the golf cart person with the beer cart, you don't see it for 12 holes, and that's frustrating as all hell. So that's I like the downside. idea of just being able to like airstrike this in Call of Duty style and just say, yep, get me my vodka soda. Let's go and see what happens so whatever but anyway if you're michael jordan i guess you can do whatever the hell you want to that's that's really the moral of the story all right there was one event this weekend sorry qbe shootout and the 16 people that decided to play in that we were going to talk zero about that uh the women's open big time december david lund you have Junior girl golfers, I'm sure you were glued to the set watching the coverage this weekend. What did you think? Uh, you know, to be honest, there, there were two things that I kind of thought about. Number one, the course I thought was fantastic. Oh, loved, tell me why. Tell me why. I don't know. There's something like visually like pleasing about seeing the fairways being just pristine and green and the rough being brown. So I really like that. And then the one thing I love about watching uh, female golfers is their swings. Like, I just feel like their swings is what I want to do. Like, I feel like the men golfers, their swings are like, oh, I'm going to play golf for five years and then I'm going to have lower back issues. Whereas the women, I just, it's just like these smooth swings and the ball just right down the pipe. Uh, I love it. I love it. That's my thoughts. <laughs> I didn't know. If, I didn't know if either of the other two knuckleheads were going to jump in. Uh, I, mean, I thought maybe they would like you know just kind of say something. But they, <laughs> you know, I, to to back you up, I will say Colin didn't watch a lot of it, but he was on the couch for a little bit of it. And to be honest, we're we're dealing with some NBC issues. I got the AT and T, and I don't know if it's where you guys are, but locally they're having this in fight about tv stations and so i don't have nbc right now uh have you ever seen those scrolls on the thing that says Mm -hmm. oh there's a chance that's never happened i always see those and i just blow them off because they always figure them out well not this case so for (laughs) for the past two weeks we have not had nbc uh and if it affects this is us when it comes back in january (laughs) jill is gonna riot so they better get their act together over the holidays because otherwise it's over uh but and i don't have peacock but if it was on the golf channel i was watching some so anyway colin and i are on the couch they slow mode from face on shibuno swing and i was just telling colin watch this 
Do you see how the hips turn and then the hands come down? And then there was this like the V that is made with the club, the extension, the follow through after impact. I was just, God, Colin, I'm telling you, I've been working for 30 years to try and do that. I got this stupid left arm chicken wing thing. I can't release like this. I see it and I want to do it. So I'm saying pay attention to her. And it's that same thing. It's that tempo. It's that smoothness. And it's just effortless. It just looks so easy. It's to the point where I'm surprised when an LPGA golfer misses the fairway. It almost seems they're playing almost par threes because they all seem to hit the fairway. If they're not hitting 75% of their fairways, that's a terrible day. It's just like interesting because I remember seeing this a long time ago where it was like the the female golfer is so much better at hitting fairways and the male golfer is so much better at putting. And I wish I, you know, I wish I had the study or whatever in front of me, but like, you know, just from my own, what I've observed, I think there's a lot of truth to it, which is just remarkable. I mean, I don't think a male is just better at putting. Uh, I do think there is a bit of like, you know, there more males play golf typically than females. Uh, But Man, the, the way they the way they just navigate the course and go through it, it's you know it it almost is like baseball. Like baseball's turned into I'm going to swing as hard as I possibly can, and the male golf team game has turned into I'm going to swing as hard as I can, and then I'm going to go find the ball and then see what happens. And whereas the female golf game, it's still it feels like golf that I'm used to playing myself. Right. It's kind of golf pre Tiger. Right. I feel like Tiger kind of ushered in that era or John Daly or, you know, whoever else you want to say is this grip it and rip it, you know, bomb and gouge kind of idea came. But it's gone to like the extreme. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and I don't know if it's Bryson or whoever you want to blame for it or if there is anyone to blame, but it just feels like it's gone to extremes. And baseball has done the same thing where it's like, oh, okay, so. A sacrifice bunt is no longer a thing. A hit and run is no longer a thing. We're just going to swing as hard as we possibly can. And what it's turned into is boring baseball. And I think honestly, kind of boring golf. Doug, can we get Dave to do some kind of psychological research to see if uh, Lund's right on uh, (laughs) LPGA golfers are not as good a putters as their male counterparts? I was going to. I was going to ask for the source on that because I You're certainly right. <laughs> saw plenty of good putts happen on Saturday afternoon Ooh. when I had it on. Um, well, I, I can join I, in on this discussion. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Doug, but I actually have the stats in front of me. Oh, oh, from, oh there we go. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. I know. This is right? not this the is kind legit. of podcast we are, Todd. <laughs> Get the I stats know, out but, of here. <laughs> but when Dave said that, I was like, are you serious? And then I looked at the stats and let me drop a couple things on you. So Brian started. Brian, by, before you start, am I right or am I wrong? No, no, no. You are right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but Brian, yeah. driving accuracy. Yeah. As of for this is the, for the whole 2020 season, I gave you a couple guys here. Okay. So Jim Furyk led the led the tour 74.5%. Yeah. Second place was Ryan Armour at 73.5. And Neither in 10th, those guys are winning tournaments. 10th yeah. place was Jim Herman at 69.3. Oh, 
Bowl. Get me to get me to somebody that wins a bunch. Like what's Dustin or Bryson? Or- well, I didn't want to include those because I oh. wanted to just basic on the just driving accuracy okay. in general. Because right. you right. said you felt like every time the women were hitting the ball, it was a fairway. Okay. okay. Chella Chella Choi, she leads the LPGA tour, eighty four point four percent. Yep. And to compare t- to compare top tens again. Jim Herman, 69.2. Nice. Number 10, number 10 on the women's tour, Lizette Salas, 80.5. <laughs> right. So top 10, we're comparing, we're we're off by 10%. Now How far do you have long, more than the top 10? No, I just went to 10. Uh, but it's all available on the websites. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm sure there's places you can find it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through some deep data, you know. Because uh, I was thanks. just curious to see how far the women would have to go down before you even got to uh, Ryan Armour, whoever you said was leading yeah. the tour, Jim Furyk, whatever. I'll put research on that. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, for putts, yeah. interestingly enough, putts, 2020. Ian Poulter, 48 rounds. He led the he led the tour with an average of 27.8 putts per round. Patrick okay. Reed in number two spot, 27.89. Okay. 10th place, Jordan Spieth, JT Poston, 28.2. Hook them. Now, for the, for the women, the leading putter was Leona McGuire at almost a whole stroke higher, 28.8. And that name, and, I want to say, that may not sound like a lot. That's a lot. A whole putt yeah. per round, yep. Yeah. And then uh, 10th place was Caroline Mason with uh, – 29.2 so comparing first place and 10th place exactly one stroke can we i know those in a vacuum indicate that i'd love to compare that with greens and regulation as well i just mm-hmm. wonder if they are more accurate in general on tour hitting more greens uh and therefore having more putts sure one well, here Here's my stat as we talk about the U.S. Women's Open. And I don't know if you guys saw the women were chirping the USGA uh, Saturday for the setup. And I was like, oh, yes, this really is a U.S. Open now because if we got the players chirping the USGA, I love it. Uh, But they were complaining because of the wetness of the course that it was playing a lot longer than it should. The mud balls were a factor. Obviously, in a major, you'd love to play the ball down, but they were saying that there was so much mud on these balls, it was ridiculous. And I think that length has a lot to do with it. And what I noticed, Doug, to your point, is I wonder if, and I, this is comes with a caveat that I haven't as of yet watched a lot of LPGA, but that's going to change. It's going to change. And so, Going to the women's open where they're obviously going to make it harder. I know this is flawed statistics at this point, but I'm watching ladies hit from 180 yards, hybrids and long irons. And to Doug's point, it's hard to stick it close when you're hitting hybrids versus I did. Now I'd said, I wouldn't talk QBE shootout. I did watch a couple shots. I watched (laughs) Matt Wolf hit an eight iron from 200 yards on a par five. And guess what? It hit the green and stuck. Now there's a big difference to your putting stats. If you can hit an eight iron into a green versus a three hybrid. And so I think some of that is gets offset. Right. And I think, 
and to bring it full circle, I agree with you, Dave. I actually kind of enjoy watching this game because a lot of us have bitched and moaned and groaned that the modern PGA Tour tournament isn't golf as we know it anymore. It is just bomb and gouge like you talked about. Whereas I think some of the older classic style golf courses are in play for the LPGA, whereas the men have kind of bypassed them. And so I think this is a great spot for the women's game to be in to try and convince some of those older historic courses to let them on. And we get to see some of those come, come back into the forefront. And so what may seem like a problem initially, I think could eventually be a positive for them. Yeah. Uh, Research has gotten back to us. Uh, okay. 57. Okay. You have to go down to the 57th and 58th uh, lady on tour to get to the number one driving accuracy person on the PGA tour. And then to just piggyback off what you said a minute ago about having the availability, maybe putting them out, uh, getting uh, LPGA tournaments on some of these older courses. I would like just the availability because you're, I think a brand trying to grow yourself. And I know it probably costs money to do some of that, but if we go back to our first podcast talking about the masters, we all talked about how nice it was to be able to see every single shot. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you need to be able to see every single shot, but if you, if the LPGA tour could say, Hey, we're going to go to our website. And for this block of time, we are going to provide this content for free, not on NBC, not on golf channel. Then maybe more eyes would you know, be able to stream that, see it and not be locked into, you know, having that channel, having that subscription or whatever it is. I like that idea because, and you guys tell me if I'm off base on this, please tell me if this is the wrong thing to say, but because the women's game is so, I don't what's the word I'm looking for. It's not that people are xenophobic or something, but they're very much kind of cut out by nationality. So, right. There's the South Korean golfers. Um, there is kind of like the South American golfers There's the Americans. And I think some of the people are less reticent because they don't know anything about those golfers. I don't think it's an intentional bias. They just don't know. Uh, whereas in America, we hear about, God, even if they're not playing well, Stacey Lewis or Brittany Lincecum or Lexi Thompson, things like that. Um, uh, and I think that would be a cool thing for people. All right. If you live in this part of the world, you could tune in. You could watch the players that you want to see. You could do sort of the, those types of things. And so I see that as a pretty cool benefit. I have no idea the logistics around that, what the women's game brings in dollars wise for somebody like NBC to devote the cameras necessary. Uh the masters, their pockets are, as far as I know, limitless. So <laughs> that's a tough one. And, uh, with the female game, Michelle, Michelle, we, you know, I mean that they, they put so much on her to be the next, you know, female tiger woods and it just didn't work out. I mean, that's well, really what they're, what they're missing is, you know, a couple of women who just become the face and, and like we see with the men's game, the face changes week by week. You know, they need like somebody who's going to be dominant to kind of like for people to root for. 
Right. And I, uh, I, and I think that's true because when Annika was winning all the time, there was a bigger focus on the women's game. I think Lorena Ochoa brought some eyeballs to it too. Lydia Co. Yeah. Lydia Co. started too. And then I know she's had her recent troubles. They, again, I don't want to Freddie do this thing, but everybody in the golf circles, at least of the Twitter golf Twitter that I follow, there's a 14, I think she's 14 Rose Zhang Z H A N G. And they say she is a killer and she didn't, I don't think she made the cut this week, but everybody has kind of earmarked her as the potential next great thing. So it'll be curious to see over the next few years, if, there's a lot too much hype put on her or if she actually uh, can deliver us to what people's expectations of her are. Cause what's interesting is like, how does like, like uh, women's tennis, I mean, shoot, I'll watch a women's tennis match before I'll watch a men's tennis match when it comes to like, exactly. You know, so, so from the LPGA tour, you know, perspective, how do you then, you know, how do you, how do you kind of do what we've seen with women's tennis uh, I've been chewing on this point all weekend because, uh, you know, to, to Todd's point earlier, the, the contrary to that is if I'm sitting on the couch Saturday afternoon and scrolling through the channels, like LPGA.com is not on my TV guide. Like I'm not going to find it. Um, but if it's the summer and I want to throw on Wimbledon and I just see that Naomi Osaka is playing a match, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Or yeah. uh, if I see just frankly, uh, even two women that I don't know playing, they happen to be on TV at that moment. I'm going to sit down and watch it and you get to know people. Um, so I don't see a world where, where the LPGA can get to the, to the spot where like women's tennis is where my wife can rattle off as many, you know, if not more women's tennis players than men's tennis players uh, without having some sort of combined event where I can go to the TV and just turn on tournament X and it might be showing men and it might be showing women, but I'm just going to sit down and watch it because it's just this tournament. Like when I turn on the U S open for tennis, there's no U S open U S women's open. I just watch what is being shown. Um, and I'm sure there's a litany of reasons why, but I, I, there's a way to do it. And I feel like, uh, somebody out there is going to make this happen at some point in the near future where we get this type of event going. Well, what if it was kind of like a, uh, like a Ryder cup kind of tournament where you had countries from like, almost like the Olympics team event, mix, uh, mixed gender kind of, uh, event. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. You, you need, you need eyeballs and you need, you can't have too many players. Cause as I was thinking this through, I was like, why well, couldn't, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the Phoenix open, have have men and women a whole bunch of people watch it well because it's in february and there's only so much daylight and there's 140 people playing and they can't get enough people around the course um but if you were to have like a combo rider solheim cup well that's only what 48 total people and eight matches at any given time if you throw it together and then some singles like you get a few big events that are going together you know you could build something because in tennis it's not like every tournament has men and women together it's the four majors and then it's like cincinnati it's miami it's some of those other big ones that draw some eyeballs and then you get 
fans. And, you know, in high school, as a family, we were in vacation in South Carolina and we went to a women's tennis tournament in Charleston and loved it. And I was super excited to watch Justine Ennin and Serena and all these other people that I knew because I had grown up watching them on TV. So then you get excited to watch just the women's events. So, Doug, to clarify, just so I make sure you're you're not proposing just like a mi- a mixed gender Ryder Cup kind of thing. You're looking for, hey, an actual full field tournament just kind of played like the men and women are concurrently just playing that tournament at the same time. Or or do I have it wrong? Yeah. Cle- I think clear that you up. could. Well, I'm looking for any opportunity where the tournament is big enough for people to, to care about it. And, um, and it's going to get eyeballs and it's logistically feasible. Um, as much as I'd love a, a combined U S open, there's too many people in yeah. golf to fit into one set of daylight without either doing two courses or, or something odd. Um, but if you had like a set of four WGC style events that are only 60 people each, you could have right. a, a series of these big tournaments you set up that, that I'm just going to go watch uh, the Bridgestone Invitational. And at any given point, I could be watching 10 minutes of women's, 10 minutes of men's. You get specialty announcers in there doing it just like tennis. And um, now you're building something. So I it think- could be like the, sorry, like the, like the pro-am tournaments where you have like the celebrities playing. I know that this would actually matter and not be like a pro-am, but so you have the celebrities kind of playing their own tournament while the, the professionals are playing their tournament. Uh, they're just all playing on the same course at the same time. I think that's what you're saying, right? Yeah. You yeah, alternate awesome. times. I mean, that's you could, great. we could, we can keep track of two leaderboards going on at the same time. The exactly. other beauty of it is if DJ is on an eight shot Sunday stroll where he's just beating everybody. Now you can focus more time on the other event happening concurrently. Uh, and you get to see some of the variety of shots, you know, to your point earlier, if Matt Wolf and everybody else is just hitting driver eight iron into every par five, well, now on the same course, I get to see people running some up. I get to see shaping some shots. I get to see, uh, you know, a different variety of game. That is what really helped women's tennis, where to David's point, it was just a lot more enjoyable to watch it 20 years ago, especially than Pete Sampras and Roddick and others just hitting ace after ace. All right. I'm not going to let Todd besmirch the American century championship classic or whatever it is in lake tahoe all right aaron Rodgers works hard he's a celebrity he takes that seriously okay todd first off very uh, seriously i think doug you bring up the good and the bad of this proposal all in one thing and i think for you and i that don't have to deal with sponsors and tour reps and all these other things it sounds like a no-brainer because i was thinking the same thing like tiger's event like the hero challenge or something like that he has the cachet to say we're gonna do this and everybody would fall in line i feel like but you even brought up the wgc's and i think that's a great idea too and i think it could work easily because of the number of people on the course it gets to the bad of well the wgc's are that's the PGA tour sponsor and who gets the TV yeah. rights. And you know, it comes down to all that stuff. Yeah. But and tennis has figured this out. Their biggest events, you know, have, Here. have full, you know, combo fields. 
I feel like here's the dirty secret, though. The women drive that. I feel like more people care about women's tennis. And so it's they have uh, some power in those negotiations in the tennis world. I don't know if the women's tour quite has that power in the golf community. Uh, But I don't know. I, I, I think we're all saying we wish that would happen. I, I just want to. Oh, go ahead. Well, then in that case, it's got to be a an RNA or a USGA, you know, figuring something out. You know, do we do a uh, a US Open at Pinehurst where we use courses two and four, and we right. just do something interest, you know, out of the ordinary or something like that? Well, and they've tried. I know it's apples to oranges. They tried at Pinehurst, right, where the women did it the week after. Mm -hmm. But I know that's not what you're saying here. So, yeah, uh, I think the idea is that we want to see the women's game continue to succeed and grow. I think Michael Wan – am I saying Wan right or Wan? Sorry, Mike. Uh, Michael Wan, I think he's been a great commissioner for them. It's growing. I think – COVID sucked for them because they had momentum and then they obviously had to cancel a bunch of tournaments and uh, the schedule for them, they are definitely more of an international tour than the PGA is. And so that really wreaked havoc with them and they've made lemonade out of lemons here. And I just hope that doesn't undo a lot of the good that had been progressing so far. Uh, all right. I had one last thing. This is for you, Lana. I'm literally teeing this up for you. Did you know Aria Jatanagarn plays without a driver in her bag? Did you know that? You know, uh, it's interesting. I did not know that. So she should be your new favorite player. You know, what's interesting, though, is I am the greatest driver of the ball in our group. Uh, what now? <laughs> Doug, are you going to let him say that? <laughs> Todd Majestic knows exactly what I'm talking about. This is They're all about this, this is it's all about positive thoughts. You speak <laughs> it into existence essentially. And I don't want to I don't want to get it too ahead of our schedule here, but I will say that the mini driver never came out of the bag on Saturday. Ooh, is that a hint of things to come? All right. I'm just saying that I am now, I am the best driver, uh, the best iron play, the best chipper, Uh and the best putter of our group. Is this that stupid fearless golf book coming out in the play? Did they tell you to speak positively about yourself? uh, I asked that for Christmas and I have not read it yet. So I (laughs) because I had not purchased it because I asked it, asked for it for Christmas. Perfect. Uh, I have watched two YouTube videos, so obviously I am an expert. (laughs) Yes, and that's what's happening. Okay. Hey, fantastic. (laughs) I'm all in. I just wanted to let you know that there is somebody, a spirit animal for you, that this should be your favorite player. I think she kind of hits this mini driver kind of club i don't think it's yeah, quite no, a three wood no, no need for it uh all i do is hit fairways uh with my little baby draw with my uh driver and um i mean you know occasionally shake it into the woods but other than that uh I hit <laughs> all right you know, um in the fairway then i got screwed over somehow like something happened with the course you know it was, right there was there was an issue with the fairway so um yeah 
Dave's prattling on now, so I need to turn off his mic. Uh, anything else about the Women's Open before we move on to our own golf shenanigans? You're all shaking your head. I'm I excited think- to watch uh, probably just the highlights, but I, sw- I watched a few shots of Amy Olsen's where she just flushed some irons, so I'm hoping to catch some highlights and see if she keeps doing that because I think she's got a good chance. Yeah, i God, we went all over the map that I forgot. When you said she's flushing her irons, that is something that I do. Maybe one of you two eggheads can figure this out. But if they're hitting 85% of their fairways, then why aren't they making more birdies or putting better? Because I would think that their iron play would be just as phenomenal, right? It is. But So, it goes so what, then what is it, Todd? It, but it goes to what you said earlier. Like, they Oh, are, thank you. They are hitting the ball just as well as men do. Yeah. And the, but the difference is they're having higher lofted, lower lofted clubs coming into those greens. So even though Olsen is flushing those seven irons, six irons, five, whatever, she's also still having to hit those from 190, 200 versus, you know, Matt yeah. Wolf's nine iron or eight iron. All right. I realize we're not the crew to talk about this. The other two things that I had, one, I love watching, this is going to sound bad, but let me get it out. Love watching the women's game because of their fashion sense versus the men. Absolutely. The, the guys game, they're all boring, right? It's just what pale blue polo and khaki pants or somebody goes rogue like uh, Billy Horschel and we talk about it for three weeks. The women will come out in some outfits my man and they they are confident in rocking them and it's just nice to see different colors different vibes different things going on so kudos to the ladies for that i know that can sound sexist at times but i'm literally like praising them i like to see some individuality out there on the course outside of polter's pants and horschel's whatever ralph lauren's telling him to wear uh (laughs) And then the only other thing, that the other controversy that I laughed at this week, did you hear about the driving range fence that they were all been out of shape about? Amazing. No. So it was a dual, dual driving range. So they had, you know, a driving range on the other side. And I think, what was it? It was like 300 yards between the two. But the USGA or whatever was worried that balls might run into the other group on the other side. And so they erected these like chain link fences about 40 yards in front of each like teeing area to like stop the rollout. And the ladies were bitching because when they were practicing their wedge game, if they were trying to hit 60 and 70 yard shots, they couldn't kind of see it over the fence. They couldn't do like Dave was talking about his ladder drill last week or whatever. They couldn't like see their wedges and some of dial in some of the distances. So they were annoyed by that. I mean, it's a petty kind of thing, but uh, I just found it intriguing. This is not something normally we hear about Bryson hitting it onto the second fairway. Cause he has to try and macho it over the top golf fence or whatever is going on and so this was a fence gate of a different sort so that kind of made me Do you imagine though if they did this with a man what they would say oh yeah they would never do it yeah i don't i mean and that's some of the difference between the men and the women yeah you know? and and then before we move on 
Uh, Dave, what's my new favorite golfer? What's her name? I'm rooting for her tomorrow. Oh, Miss Pap. Caitlin Pap, right? Is that yeah. am I right? Yeah. Right. Hook them. Hook them. University Hook of em. Texas product. Uh, she played well on Saturday. I know she was over par, but everybody in there was over par on Saturday. She acquitted herself nicely as an amateur. Uh, I'll be, I will be watching tomorrow, and I'm hopeful that she can do something magical. So, yeah, I believe so. her uh, her coach is on the bag for her. Yeah, uh, yes, that's why I saw it because burnt orange was all over the caddy, and I was like, "Whoa, tell me more about who this person <laughs> is." I am all in on this, and. Yeah. If somebody from the University of Texas can win a major not named Jordan Spieth, I'm all in on that too. So she's like an interesting background because she was like, I believe she was like a military kid. Mm-hmm. So like I think she like grew up in like Japan and some other places and kind of traveled around a bit. So she's kind of an interesting uh, story. I would love to have her on the podcast sometime. I mean, if she if she happens to listen, you know, like oh, hey, come, come on, on out. Yeah. Open invitation. Yeah, open invitation. That's right. I'll all right. Some- I'll put some Longhorn uh, gear on. I like it. Uh, (laughs) Doug, did we talk about your mixed event rant that we kind of got into that? Or is it it more fleshed out than what you just shared about the Bridgestones and the WGC? No, I mean, you're right. I mean, at some point you got to figure out the money. But I mean, even to that last point about the driving range, like put them in the same event and and that doesn't happen. And uh, you start to get, you know, prize money hopefully moving closer to being equal certainly treatment at the at the course and kind of how they're taken care of at the tournament and amenities all that in an equal spot um just put them in the same tournament i want to see it happen yeah because you think we move in the right direction and then you read about the women's national soccer team and they had to basically sue to be able to get some of the same perks, same hotels and the same number of private charter flights that the men's are and the women. I mean, I don't need Todd to tell me the stats on this. I know they win at a much greater clip than the men's national team. So it just shows you how backwards this stuff still is. And uh, we all have daughters or soon to be daughters. And I think it frustrates us that, we have to still kind of continue to help help them help advocate and fight this fight too. I will say I like how the we've been talking for like forty minutes. Four guys sitting around talking about how women are getting screwed on yeah. women's golf because they are, and I like the fact that four guys are sitting around talking about it on a Sunday night. Yeah, has it been forty minutes? I don't know, Jeez. but like, no, that sounds right. I mean, like. You know, Doug was given the job of timekeeper. He's given me a head nod, so it must be true. I'm still saying. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're That's enough of the pro game. The good news is the weather turned nice this week, and so a lot of us, <laughs> those of us who don't live in Wisconsin, are buried <laughs> in <laughs> <suck-a>. <laughs> 12 inches of snow. Uh, we're able to get out and play this week. Uh, I think Doug gets to rub it in in the summer months on us, though. So his turn's coming. But I had a chance to get out to the local Muni. Uh, It was a nice Wednesday. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm thinking this place is just going to be wide open because people should have to work. Kids are in school. No, this thing is jammed up (laughs) with everybody. I walked up to the counter and I said, I'm, you know, I always hate 
as a single having to like go. I feel like I'm a leper in this community when I'm by myself. And I'm, uh, sir, could I join up with somebody or maybe please play your course? And so whatever, even at this podunk place, it was 25 bucks for a cart for 18. That gives you the mental image of where we're at. I chose, Dave, you'll be very excited. I chose to walk. I said, I don't need a discount. I'm walking, baby. You know, I just want to get the exercise. Live wanna, forever. Yeah, I want to stretch the legs out. So I look at the first tee. I, I thought what was a foursome was actually two twosomes. And then there was a threesome. And then there was a threesome behind them. And I was just like, oh, I was doing the mental math, thinking I'm not getting out for 50 minutes unless I can work some magic. So I asked if I could join up. He's like, well, you got to talk to one of those guys, but sure, whatever, do you kind of attitude. I was like, all right, thanks, guy. So I I talked to the – because, I again, I thought the two twosomes were a foursome. So I went to the trio, and I asked them, hey, do you guys mind? I won't slow you down, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The first clue that this was not going to go well, it was a dad, the son – and the son's friend, the two boys were home from college. The two boys were in a cart with golf bags on them. The dad was in his own cart with no golf clubs attached. That should have been sign number one that I was not where I needed to be. Uh, I also learned that dad, who is probably my age, still plays adult league softball and takes hitting lessons he was talking about going to some guy and he was in the cage working on his swing and so that's why he he wasn't gonna do well he's 43 years old and he's taking (laughs) softball hitting lessons or baseball what i i assume you don't play baseball anymore at 43 or whatever holy mackerel that's exactly turn around and walk out so (laughs) we finally get to play and it's great because I can tell one of the guy, one of the kids knew kind of what he was doing. The uh, the dad did not for sure. Uh, the group in front of them is probably about two hundred yards in front of us. So we can hit now, right? We can go. We can do. We could go. I was like, mm, I don't know where my place is in this, but I don't want to have to fight anybody either. Uh, but baseball guy's probably ready to fight, so whatever. I'll just get behind him. Uh, so anyway, so we play the hole. And the first, not the twosome in front of us, the twosome in front of them has just left the tee box. And I am about to just, what are we doing? So I will let you know, I walked off after nine because I could not handle it. It took two hours and 35 minutes to play nine holes. I said, that's enough for me. I trunked it. But while I was there, there was a lot of magic, folks. On the second hole... The two boys are in their golf cart, just vaping it up. Smells like weed. These guys are getting high as a kite out there. They probably put about, between dad and the two boys, they pumped about 12 balls into the water or the woods. Didn't really care. Hey, you do you, whatever. (laughs) I'm just like, where am I right now? I'm looking around. You're in St. Louis, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, The third hole... Shout out whoever designed this course. There were two ditches that bisected this par four. And I don't mean streams. I mean concrete ditches that lead from like one watered area, you know, just drainage water. 
the guy hits one so far left, it's ridiculous, but he drops. He hits the electrical wires that are running down the third fairway. And so I'm laughing at that. And then on his next shot, he hits the telephone pole holding up said electrical wires. <laughs> I mean, I, you could not script this crap. And I mean, it was just like tear inducing. But the best part, best part. I'm on, we're on the seventh tee. The twosome in front of us is a couple of old dudes. The guy gets out of his cart because we've been waiting. We talk to him every tee box. He gets out and he's like, you know what would make today better? Women in bikinis. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. Well, actually, you know what would be even better? Women with no tops bikinis. You know what I'm saying, boys? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm never coming to the municipal golf course again. <laughs> and at this time, two ladies in a golf cart are finishing up on like hole two or whatever the way the courses run out. They come driving by the baseball swinging dad as they're driving by. He's like, Hey, Hey, the guy up in front says, uh, he's trying to talk to some ladies. He's trying to hit on some ladies and they're just, ha ah, run. They roll off. I'm just like, Oh my God. Uh, uh, this is so crazy. Uh, but I'll leave you with this. The ninth hole was a par three. 113 yards. I know that because I hit it exactly 113 yards, but about two feet to the left, rolled in that nice little birdie putt, and then trunk slammed it and went home to play with my kids. So that was Muni Golf in December. And let so me tell you, you uh, did you get his contact info or you guys? <laughs> uh, no, I, I fist bumped the boys. I said, have a great back nine. I'm out of here. So, uh, oh my God. I, Oh, it hurt my head, guys. It hurt my head. I want the game to be accessible. Let's grow the game. Let's do all we can. But that was that was tough. So, but I know you, Todd and Dave, you guys played this weekend. Tell me you had a better experience than I did. Uh, we had a much better experience. You didn't have guys getting high on the golf course. So. I don't know. The guys in front of us, they, they had a couple of swings that looked like they were high. Um, all right. Where were you at? Uh, Sharon Woods uh, Golf Course. It's a uh, what I believe it's a county course, city yeah. course. Sounds like a muni and uh, tight, hilly, um, flattish greens. Uh, but you know, one of the com- one of the topics of conversation we had was like, you know, the first hole very accessible, par four. Uh, you can hit about five or six different clubs off the tee. I did have a question because I know how you played the first three holes. Todd, did Dave try to cut the corner? Did he hit driver and try to cut that corner on yes, one? Of course I did. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the first shot, first warm-up. He didn't necessarily try to cut it. Um, it just sliced that way. No, it wasn't even – I mean, he just pushed it right a little bit, but literally it was the first swing. So, uh-huh. to be fair, I – uh, hit a stinger driver off the first tee low that just happened to roll through the rough into the fairway. It's it, Doug, as it's a, I was it, saying, Brian Parson. <laughs> uh, Doug, it's a straight L. It's like a five iron wedge. Okay, here's the thing I don't quite get. Great three design. Iron, three iron wedge. You have an accessible first hole. The second hole is a par three. I don't know, one fifty, whatever. And then the next one's a four hundred and sixty yard up the hill par four. And the tee boxes, like the back to the front, are like 20 yards apart. 
And that's what I don't get is like, you know, you're trying to make a course that's accessible to everybody and you throw in the third hole, 400 and whatever yard par four up the hill. There's no way 90% of these cats are going to par it much less even bogey the hole. Uh, And that was my complaint as we were talking throughout the round of like, what is the point of a hole like this? And then to back it up, the next hole, which is like a super tight 420-yard par four with just trees on, down both sides. But that, that's what we just talked about early in the round. Based I mean, on the way Dan's talking, with... I'm going to assume you were in the lead after those first few holes, Tom. There, there's not a whole lot that needs to be discussed <laughs> about scoring for the round. Well, but you mean, I, like, when he was up by three after four holes. Yeah, I was up three and we can after stop four there. holes. Uh, and no, I'm, I'll say it, but then done with the fifth hole. I was in the lead. He was in the lead <laughs> after the fifth hole and uh, he stayed in the lead the rest of the uh, holes. Yeah. 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 I, it was uh, a great, it was a great day. It rained for the first uh, three, three, four ish holes. And then it was nice and dry until this approach shots on I- 18. Doug, what did you want to ask these cats? I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say that's how you end up with two and a half hour, nine hole rounds by making your third hole something that yes. backs up a whole bunch. Of- so we were the we were the second tee. Uh, we were the second group on Saturday, on what was that Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were following a foursome that I think plays there every Saturday morning, that kind of group. And uh, and, and I think you're dead right. But we happened to do it in about four hours that particular day. Uh, but I think on a normal Saturday in the middle of the summer. That's why it's a four and a half to five hour round. Were there any birds? Dave had two. Uh, one. Do you want to confirm that? I think had I had at least one. One for sure. Maybe two. Hey, we we had some good shots. Uh, we hey, both. Some Mike DeSabato golf. I hear you. The craziest <laughs> part about the rounds for both of us is that in general, we both hit the ball really well. Mm-hmm. I, I chipped, I, I put myself in really bad places to chip from. Oh, and I saw just, one video. Yeah, that was terrible. Dave, Dave was like, you got to hit this for, for content. Yeah, and it, it ended up working playable. out. I was like, no way. But I just, I chipped poorly and putted even worse. And so I had a terrible score, but I, I walked off thinking, I hit the ball really well today. So <laughs> I was striping it. I was flushing it. Hmm. The craziest part is the the worst that I drove the ball were the four holes that I was ahead of Dave. And then I started hitting the ball off the tee really well and fell apart. Well, that tells us how bad Dave was playing those first three, too. I mean, Facts. You don't have to you don't have to be like that. I mean Facts. You know. Look, I don't need you reading fearless golf and getting all confident on me. You're already I cocky mean, as all hell. So I'll be I'll start. be real with you. We went I went double, double, <laughs> triple, double to start. <laughs> Not a good start. Uh but hey, we we're just managing that, that handicap for the Augusta Cup. You know what you I'm know? saying? I cleaned it up after that. All of a sudden, you know. Uh, I think I said to Todd, I said, I'm done with my score. It's December and it's yeah. nice. we're playing golf. Hey, can and, you even um, post the score? No, USGA won't let you post in our okay. states. Yeah. So I said after like the fourth hole, I'm just going to be like, you know, Todd's up three. I'm like, I'm just going to like keep track of how far I'm behind you. And then, you know, I parted that hole and he quad it. And, you know, like I was like, oh, this is working. Never looking back. Hey, yeah. you you told me that the weather in Cincinnati is looking like promising for maybe one more round. If the oh, two of you play, 
I want you to pick a hole and I want you to make Todd play rig style. I want you, whatever hole you pick, I want you to video Todd playing the entire hole. I, I I think our Instagram needs that content. I want to, I want to see Todd shot until he uh, hits cup. We we can, we can do that just for you. All right. Well, based on the number of likes, it is just for me, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you what's going to end up happening. He's going to nut it right down the pipe. He's going to put it right around the green and two putt for a par. We're going to be good to go. Love it. Uh, Doug, did you have a golf tech round? <laughs> no, I haven't swung a club in Wisconsin. Yeah. Four weeks, three weeks. I don't know. Oh, so next Sunday, Doug, I'm going to give you some homework. Next Sunday, I'm going to ask you how many rounds you logged in 2020. Okay. And then we're going to compare it at the end of 2021 once uh you're a dad <laughs> and i'm gonna see if the number of rounds increased or decreased stay the same i was was already talking today about the logistics of taking a stroller out onto the course we talked about the other week how we protect little beto from wayward shots uh where to park it um hey i so. like all of this talk the doug pre-kid was not going two to three weeks without swinging a golf club. That's, that's all I'm saying. But Hey, we'll you know, welcome to the club, duck. Welcome <laughs> to the club. I look forward to your seven handicap coming up. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> hey, if I can sandbag my way all the way to double digits for the 2022 Augusta cup, we'll be just fine. Oh my God. I can't imagine the damage your team would do. If you were like a seven or an eight, we would, Get the doors blown off of us. Uh, uh, Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Excellent. I do hope that I do get one more round of winter golf in before uh, the start of the new year. Speaking of carnage on the golf course, uh, Sharon Woods was not the only place that that was going on. I don't, Doug, Dave, did you hear about this tournament in SoCal? That. All right. Perfect. So good. I I get to ask you a little trivia question. I'll let you know. It was a, it was called the tournament of champions. So you had to win a tournament to even qualify for this tournament. And you had to have a 2.4 handicap or lower to even enter this tournament. So I just want to Cal state GA, like, yeah, exactly. You got it. Now it was like a club champion championship. Exactly. Right. Now I will give you a hint. They were playing in weather that had up to 50 mile an hour winds. Sick. Uh, I think uh, I don't have the total number of players. I think there were some, Todd, if you know, I think there were like 80 some odd players. Mm-hmm. 24 of them withdrew because conditions were so bad. Of the guys that played, what do you think the highest score that a 2.4 handicapper lower shot in that round? One round score? The one round score. 96. 96. Dave? Well, I mean, I, I feel like I'm cheating because Majestic talked a little bit about this on Saturday. Oh. But it was oh. like, he said like 127 or something like that. 123 was the highest <laughs> score at this tournament. There were, I watched a, six guys shot over 100 and one guy 12 putted. Uh, you can go online what? and you, 
I saw a video of a guy six putting. The problem was he was he was hitting into the wind, which was great, but he hit his putt and it went a little past the hole. And so, unfortunately, when you have to hit it with the wind, he just barely knocked it, but it went back twenty feet. <laughs> he had to like just he had to play the wind on this thing, and it was stupid. Oh my god, I can't even imagine playing. I saw, uh, I saw a guy on Saturday four putt two putt two greens. <laughs> it was it was actually three. I I checked my 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 record. I was three. I think I had three. Oh my god! I'm not happy about it, Dave. Well, For, forty forty two putts on the round I had. Is that good? Hey, can we all chip Here's in? That again? put you on the LPGA. <laughs> I was, was going to suggest uh, Allison buy Todd a putter ball for Christmas. You know, maybe uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe help Majestic get his swing going. <laughs> uh, all right, we've gotten to the shenanigans part of the show. <laughs> if it wasn't already there before, uh, so this is where I turn it over to you guys. We're in the scramble series, so. Anything that uh, caught your eye or a parent story or anything else that's that's happening this week, enlighten us. Doug, I'm going to start with you. You said you had something you read. Yeah. Uh, picked up a book that uh, whoa, 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 purchased whoa. with some money at work <laughs> called uh, Atomic Habits. Um, oh. The, the idea of the book is, is pretty simple. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fail to the level of your systems. And looking ahead to... Uh, New Year's resolution time and thinking about that. I'm uh, dedicating myself to to no longer trying to think about um, achieving a certain goal, say a, a weight, a distance run, number of times run, but focusing on just doing more running, putting a system in place where you're improving a little bit every day and and, uh, and trusting that the lag measure of, of those outcomes will come. So that's now, what this whole on. book's about. I'm All right, hold on. Pump the brakes here because I want to push back on this and help help me figure this out because you are more learned than me by far, Doug. So teach me a little bit. I've always thought one of the things that I've impressed upon my kids is to have goals, right? So at 12, my daughter may say she wants to be a CEO of a company or something, right? And I say, great. What are the steps you need to do to get there, right? And so even if they're baby steps, I want her progressing towards a goal because I feel like if you don't set a goal, you just kind of spin your wheels a little bit. Um, And so I've always been taught, even if I don't reach that goal, if I have something that I'm trying to work towards, that I'm naturally going to push myself towards it. But you're telling me I shouldn't have a goal. I should just go. I think it's, I think we're saying more of the same thing than you think we are. So my problem personally is that I am, I am one to set uh, a lofty goal. Uh, Let's say, Hey, I want to read every day this month and on day two of the month I fail. And therefore I just assume the goal is null and void and I I fall apart quickly. Gotcha. Um, So instead of, having a goal of, Hey, I want to read a book every day. I could have a goal. That's just like, you know what? I want to be, uh, uh reading. My goal okay. is to be reading. And in the back of my mind, right. I'm, I'm striving for this future Doug that reads a lot of books and, uh, has all sorts of quotes you can throw out there. But what I'm focused on is the idea of, of reading. 
so so the goals still exist. It's you just don't create a quantifiable goal to where you then fail something, right? Yeah, you're you're eliminating the. Uh, for me, I'm eliminating the mental block of if I don't achieve it perfectly, then I've I've failed and it's not worth doing at all. And I'm uh, eliminating that element of of willpower. I'm making it so it's easy to continue to do the thing. And that slowly builds up over time. Um, you know, you could apply it to anything. Like you may say, I want to be a writer. How do I go become a writer? Well, just start, you know, focus on writing, just focus right. on engaging in writing, being a writer will come. Um, so it's maybe more of a mental shift than anything, but focusing on the habits, if you will, the system uh, of how you accomplish things. I'm hoping bring some more, at least positive, uh, mental game to goals as opposed to my kind of crash and burn quickly. Wow. All right. Uh, I think I now know why we have Todd and Doug on the podcast, Dave. They balance our nonsense with some real insight here. <laughs> Jeez. All right. <laughs> I feel smarter just from having heard Doug talk. To me. So now, can- of course, I'll. Uh, yeah. we may not succeed at this, but we'll keep, we'll bring it back. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll try to let you know what I'm working on, what I'm thinking about. And- Ooh. We'll see. Like follow up. Okay. Dave, bring us down a notch. What's going on in your world? (laughs) We had a huge day here in Cincinnati. Okay. My, uh, my daughter, Aubrey, uh, who um, uh, plays on a basketball team last year was on our B team that I coached this year. uh, She worked hard over the year and she made the A team. And right. uh, Yeah. Which has been fantastic. But then really talking to her about how do we, you know, not just be happy that we're on the team, but really helping out. Uh, today they won a uh, preseason tournament. So um, kudos to Coach Brandon and the uh, the lady Anderson Orange, uh, sixth grade. It was pretty awesome. So Oh, let's go. That's right. Let's go. Yeah, I was super pumped. Uh, she was super pumped, uh, so pumped that we had to stop at UDF and get a a double uh, scoop of some Christmas ice cream. I don't know what, I don't know what Christmas ice cream is, but she loved it, so – Fantastic. Man, I want to grow up. If if I ever come back in life, I want to come back as a Lund kid because they get treats for everything. I mean, I I need Dave and Stacy as parents. There's cookies this, ice cream that. Well, they win. Uh, which is oh. Oh. maybe 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 I don't want to be a Lund kid. Uh, now with that being said, Rachel is quarantined uh for the Oh my god. Which is number seven for our quarantine. Uh, no kidding, man. I know it's freaking ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's quarantined, and I said, Rachel, I'm going to give you a checklist of things to do. So she's got like a two hour workout, basketball stuff, you know. So there's there's downsides too. <laughs> now uh, I see why you get. But at the very end, I said, when you finish this, Lego it up. So you know she's got motivation. So it sounds like Dave, without even knowing it, is doing the thing that Doug is reading about. Right? You're, he's not setting goals for his kids of I want you to make the A team or whatever. But hey, today you are going to go do twenty minutes of drills, and you're going to be better at that skill because you did it. Because they, so, yeah, because they suck. Mm-hmm. Oh, easy, easy. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a mean way of saying it, but like, you know, uh, we're not good at certain things. Uh, and so, you know, how do you get better at something? You can practice it. 
I mean, okay. maybe we just say that they're they're not as proficient or no. they're <laughs> working on their weaknesses. Uh, but like my it's mental software language, all, yeah. Jesus. like I'm not good at the mental game. I'm gonna fix that. And so it started Saturday when I would tell myself how good I am, and yeah. I would continue to tell myself that. I would continue to tell myself myself that, and then I would stand over the hole or stand over the ball, and I would say to myself, "No, you're not." <laughs> Man, I hope Stacy's good at giving hugs because, good lord, I think your kids can use them. They'll be all right. Ah, yeah, they'll be all right. Let me tell you, she got two scoops. Not one, but two. <laughs> and Stacy loved the two scoops because the second was free. Yes. All right. Everybody wins. <laughs> Everybody wins. All right. Todd, enlighten us. I, I don't have a whole lot going on. We're uh, in, in dad world right now. We are potty training our youngest. He is two and a half. We Oof. are day four, and he is... He is doing such a good job, and we're really. How's his aim? He he's a sitter right now. Oh, okay. yeah, um, makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. so he's he's sitting right now, but he in four days uh, is is doing a great job. He's telling us, and he's he's uh he's well on his way. What's the reward structure over there at the? That's the thing. House? We do not have a reward structure in place. It is just constant praise, and. He is loving it. Like we haven't gotten to a point yet where we have to try to reward him for something. Yeah. Um, yet. Yet. <laughs> I, I said, Hey, we went through it once. So I said, yet. Um, so he's, he's doing awesome. That's what's going on in our world this weekend. Other than playing golf with Dave, um, potty training. Yeah. Well, and I like that you said you went through it once past tense. That's uh interesting wording there too. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's not a lie. I have gone through the process <laughs> once. Uh, all right. The things that I saw this week, I have, God, it sounds so lame after hearing Doug reading books. Uh, the best thing I read this week is a New York Times article, <laughs> comparatively. Uh, I, The wife and I watched Queen's Gambit. And it was a great little seven episode series and loved it. Shout out to chess. Yeah. And that's, that was the New York times article that the Queens Gambit was driving more women into chess. Uh, this was, if you've watched the show, you definitely saw in the fifties that this was a male dominated sport, uh, that women kind of were looked down upon. And I, I don't know what the number Todd, look at the numbers for me. I don't know what the numbers of women in chess in the modern era are, but they were talking more girls and more females were getting into chess because of the queen's gambit. And I thought that was a cool little, uh, aside that, that, that community was growing given the bent, the slant of this whole podcast were women positive this, uh, this episode that that was a cool little thing. Uh, the only other story that I had was my parent corner, uh, youth sports, is happening in our world. Uh, you can be for or against that, but youth sports is ha- are happening in St. Louis. And so my son is on uh, this soccer team and they're in their indoor season. And theoretically they have protocols in place where the kids, his soccer team has to play in masks and you're only allowed one parent to go watch the game for social distancing. And so one of the parents that goes, thankfully, 
Facebook lives or whatever, you know, live streams it. So the rest of us can watch it. I went to his game last week. And so, as you know, you got to take turns. And so Jill went this week. But the other team, a couple of their players were wearing their masks as like chin straps, essentially. And in addition to it not being safe, it's also a competitive advantage when one team has to try and suck oxygen through a mask and the other team is not wearing them. They're just, you know, their CO2 levels are a little bit stronger. And so as with youth sports, parents get involved, right? Uh, Initially, parents on, sad to say, our side, uh, were talking to the ref about, hey, ref, you know, mask, mask. I could hear it through through the Facebook thing. And at halftime, I found out our coaches were talking to the ref about it. And he essentially, the ref said, he's essentially not the mask police. And so he was not going to say anything about if these kids are wearing it or not. Well, that caused some of the parents on our sidelines to disagree, let's say, with that approach to handling things, both for you had some parents that wanted it for safety sake and some parents that were just like, all right, well, son, you don't wear your mask then so that you can. And I don't know if that was the exact strategy, Uh, but in in all of this, my parent story is that my son and the rest of his teammates played hard. They played well. Uh, they lost, but that wasn't the the end result of this. Uh, it sucked that I couldn't watch my son play soccer because of what's going on. And I also was reminded that parents in youth sports sometimes, maybe it's a good thing that some of us are not there too, uh, because this is supposed to be for them. Uh, I don't know what the right solution was, but I just know, God, I did not think I was going to have to deal with this a year ago where we were yelling about whether our kids were wearing masks while they were playing soccer and such. So I don't know what to do, but it was a sad, it was like a sad moment. The kids, they were fine. This one was not on Colin. It's not me making fun of my kids. This is just a, God, this is where society is right now, unfortunately. So I will follow up and tell you if they wear masks next week. Oh, that's I will. That's I will get the ratings right there. I will get back to you, Brian. Research has gotten back to me on chess, <laughs> chess yes. titles. So there are four levels of master mastery in chess. There's the grand master. There's the international master. There's an FIDE master and a candidate master. And as of January, 2020, there were 15,168 men in all four of those categories. Okay. There were 209 Ooh. women. Ooh. All right. So obviously that's our baseline data. And so we have to see, I don't, I mean, we can't look at this at 2021. We're going to have to get this podcast going until at least 2030 so that we have time for the data to kind of roll through. So, all right, settle in boys. Sounds like we need a chess corner. Yeah, we need chess corner now too. Good God, if our hour and a half long podcasts aren't already (laughs) smorgasbord of delight. (laughs) We're here for chess corner too. The castle. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's fantastic. Oh my God. Uh, All right. Anything else for the good of the group? Anything we missed out on? Any mea culpas, whatever? I'm spent. I'm spent. Same. Uh, I started watching Big Mouth this week again. Love it. Uh, Love it. it is so terrible, but so funny. So uh, I'm going to go watch it some more. <laughs> All right. Hey, we appreciate everybody listening. 
maybe Dave will buy ice cream to anybody who mentions this part of the podcast if they're still listening. So uh, hit them up for some UDF and some free scoops. All right. All right, boys. Thanks for a good week. We'll catch you back next week with another edition of Forefathers. See ya. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on women's golf, the women's open, and some of our own shenanigans as we got to enjoy some December golf out at the municipal courses this year. Uh, Make sure you subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at forefathers04. And then a few special shout-outs this week. You know we love giving these out. Hey, how about a shout-out to the Anderson 6th Grade Girls Basketball A-Team? Way to go, girls. The Texas Longhorns Golf Program up-and-comers, shout-out statistics, and, of course, cable contract disputes. Gotta love those. Come on, give me my NBC. All right, folks, until next week, see ya!